chapter number 13, we've been uh, going through just a few weeks here leading up to our missions conference, uh, this little series that I've entitled Reach, which is the theme of our missions conference. And uh, as we think about it, uh, two weeks ago, we, we looked at how Jesus makes the difference. <clears throat> and then last week, we looked at how love makes the difference. Today, we're going to look at the last of these, and that is compassion makes the difference. And I hope that God uses this in your life the way he has in mine as we look forward not only to this hour, but also tonight, if you can make it tonight, we have a God put on my heart a special message tonight. It's kind of interesting. Jesus was God in the flesh while he was on this earth. And the Bible says he did many mighty miracles. But then Jesus made this statement. He says, greater works than these you will do. And I just got to thinking about that. How in the world can we do something greater than what God did? And if you're here tonight, you'll see from the scriptures what Jesus intended by that. Don't miss it tonight at 6 o'clock. And as we look forward to our missions conference today, we're, we're trying to understand this matter of how we can make a difference through love, through compassion. And uh, our response needs to be to the Bible, to what the Word of God has to say, how God has called us as a church. And we find that right here in, in Acts chapter 13 in verse number 1. The Bible says, Now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers, as Barnabas and Simeon that was called Niger and Lucius of Cyrene, and Menaean, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. And as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed, they laid their hands on them. They sent them away, so they, being sent forth by the Holy Ghost, departed unto Seleucia, and from thence they sailed to Cyprus. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this morning. May we see how you work through the early church in the first century. And you've given us a pattern that we need to follow. That church, Lord, I pray that you'd help us to have a heart filled with compassion. To see the need of the hour, people who do not know you as Savior. Lord God, that you would use us in many ways to help them to come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. For it's in his precious name we pray. Amen. You may be seated this morning. As you think about this passage, it reminds me of God because the essence of God is love. The Bible says, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. You see, then the essence of God is love, then the essence of Christianity is love. If you are a Christian, we are to love as God loved. Amen. The Bible tells us as a people that we are, as Jude wrote, to have compassion of some, have compassion making a difference. We need to be a church that is filled with compassion. I want you to consider a few things, some true facts about things going on in the 
world we live in, currently there are 7.6 billion people that are living on planet Earth. 7.6 billion. According to a study that by 2025, this world will reach a population of 10 billion. According to growth research. There are billions of people that are living today that have never heard about Jesus Christ. That's hard for us to imagine. But it is true that there are many around the world that know nothing about who Jesus is. This week, as we will introduce Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, four missionaries. These are people that God is called to go to those billions of people and tell them about Jesus. If we would be willing then to connect the dots this week and help to make a difference in our world, well, how do we do that? We do that through compassion. By tomorrow, think about this, by tomorrow there will be approximately 360,000 babies born by tomorrow that are not born today. That's 15,000 births per hour worldwide. Half of the world's population today is 18 years of age and under. Now that ought to tell you that there are many young people, teenagers, children, that have yet to hear about the love of God, that don't know anything about salvation, that, that, that are wandering around in this world aimlessly, and they, like we, they need to know the life-changing truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Not only do we see statistics about births, but we also see that statistically there are uh, 151,600 people that will die each day. Each day. They say that's nearly two people will die every second of every day. Every second. Two seconds just passed. Another two seconds just passed. People are coming into this world and people are leaving this world. People are slipping out into eternity. There's a youthful generation, yes, that's coming up that needs to know about God, but there are also those that are closer to eternity's door, death's door, that need to know about the love of God, that need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jeremiah, oftentimes known as the weeping prophet, said, mine eye hath affected mine heart. This week, as we come and we see and we hear from missionaries, there's a purpose behind that. It's not to guilt somebody, it's to show us the need of the hour. This is what God has ordained. Psalm 142, notice what some people feel in verse number 4, where the psalmist says, I looked on my right hand and beheld, and, but there was no man that would know me. Refuge failed me. No man cared for my soul. Millions today, living in this world, they, they, they feel in their heart, in their soul, that no one cares about them. But I know one that cares. The Son of God, Jesus, He came to seek and to save them from their sins. John 20, 21, Jesus came again and He said these words, Peace be unto you, as my Father hath 
sent me, even so send I you. Let's say those last words together. Even so send I you. Now, do you understand the gravity of what you just said? What we read in John 20, 21, Jesus said, just like my Father sent me from heaven to this earth, he says, I came to go to the lost. I came to tell them how much God loves them. And Jesus said, just like my Father sent me, I am sending you. That's why we have a missions conference. God has called us his church. This concept is not old. It's as fresh as it was the day God gave it. God still desires to use his people, us, today, to get involved in what we call worldwide evangelization, that we understand what is God's plan for this world. And I want you to see it this morning, right here from Acts chapter 13. Notice with me this morning, if you will, first of all, the context of missions. The Bible says in verse number 13, it begins to talk about how that there were, notice these words, in the church that was at Jerusalem. I mean, folks, we could easily say without, without any misrepresentation, now there were in the church at Pembroke Pines, Florida. There was in the church at Bible Baptist Church. You see, God calls missionaries out of churches. And the Bible says there were in the church. The context of missions is a local church. The word ecclesia, two words that have been brought together, a preposition and a verb. Ek and kaleo means out of and to be called. To be called out of a church is a called out assembly of, of believers who have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. What have we been called out of? The answer to that is the world. God has saved us. This world is not our home. We're just passing through. Hey, don't get used to where you're living because it's just temporary. You know, the postmaster's going to have a hard time finding my new address someday because heaven's my home. You say, how do you know that? Because the Bible tells me so. You see, I think about this world that we live in. God's called us from this wicked world, to, from living a, a godless lifestyle out of sin that was in our lives. God not only has called us out of this world, but God has called us to himself. God wants us to find our purpose in living for him. We gather here together. We are the church of the living God, the Bible says. And missions, as you think about it this morning and throughout this week, missions begins in the church. That's where it began in Antioch. The Bible talks about there were many believers in, in the book of, of Acts here in, in chapter 13. Where did these believers come from? They came from the city of Jerusalem to the city known as Antioch. Look in verse number 11, uh, chapter number 11, verse number 19. The Bible says, Now they which were scattered abroad upon the persecution that rose about Stephen, traveled as far as Phoenice and Cyprus and Antioch, preaching the word to none but unto the Jews only. And some of them were men of Cyprus and Cyrene, which when they were come to Antioch, spake unto the Grecians, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them. And a great number believed and turned unto the Lord. People got saved 
when they began to preach about Jesus, about how he is the way to have eternal life. Now, certainly Acts 11 describes what took place earlier in the book of Acts, where there was this persecution that was going on. The persecution was being led by the man known as Saul of Tarsus. And the Bible identifies that as they were being persecuted, that many left Jerusalem and they began to travel to here in Antioch. And while they were in Antioch, as we did this morning, they began to assemble themselves together as believers. And so the context of missions is a local church. But notice that it is also a loving church. Not only a local church, but a church that truly loves. Look at Acts 2.46. They continuing daily with one accord in the temple, the house of God, breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the what? To the church. That means there had to be a church in existence. The Lord added to the church. Now the church is not a building, it's the people of God. And the Bible says the Lord added unto the church daily such as should be saved. These were people that knew the Lord. And as a result of that, they were called Christians. They had all things common. You see, I look around the auditorium this morning, and listen, we're all different. Every last one of us. I think that's what's neat about our church. But the one thing we have in common is Jesus. He's the unifier. He's the one that brings us together. This is the Lord's day. This is the Lord's house. This is God's word. And as we come together, we come together as a church that not only loves God, but we love others. You see, if we truly do love God, and we looked at this last week, then we, we ought to love one another. The Bible's clear about that as his disciples, John 13, 35, by this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one for another. And you might be sitting here today saying, but you don't know him. You don't know how he treats me. He took my, my, my spot on the parking lot. Some of you right now are thinking evil thoughts. Some of you walked in this morning, and when you walked through the doors, I could see you from the platform. Somebody was sitting in your coveted seat. Folks, listen, God loved us while we were yet sinners. Aren't you glad that Jesus loved us where we were? I think about how oftentimes, and I'm so glad it's not that way here, but many times I've seen God's people bickering and fighting and not loving one another. Let me ask you this. Do you love the unlovely? Do you love the ones that no one else would love? God so loved the world. There are people out there today without the Lord. Say, I don't know who they are. It doesn't matter. Do you love them? There's a way that you can show your love for them. 
You can express your love toward them. There's a world outside of church. I think you know this is true, that struggles with racism, prejudice. It's still viable in our world today. People still struggle. I love the little song somebody wrote years ago, red and yellow, black and white. They are precious in his sight. Jesus loves not just the little children, Jesus loves everyone. Doesn't matter who we are. God loves everyone. And there was a church here that we see in the book of Acts that was gathered locally, but they were also a church that was gathered lovingly. And the Bible says that there were people from all different backgrounds. Even in verse number one, notice it mentions these individual men that were certain prophets and teachers, Barnabas and Simeon, that was called Niger. Uh, if you, if you study it out, look at some of the regions these play, people were from. Uh, it says uh, uh, Lucius of Cyrene and Menaean, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. Certainly we've heard many things and read much about Saul. They came from every walk of life, but they came together to love one another. Why? Because God loved them, and that's what a church is. It's people from all walks of life, and they had all things common, and they, they came to the place where they realized they were all sinners and that there was only one way to heaven, and that was Jesus. Look at Acts 11, verse 26. The Bible says, when he had found him, he brought him unto Antioch, and it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church, taught much people, and the disciples were called Christians. God identifies, he tags these people that they were just like Jesus. The whole city, think about this. You go study it out yourself. In the book of Acts, the whole city took note of these people. They were watching them. There was something going on at that church. They were now saved sinners that were loving their brothers and sisters in Christ. And the test of our being a loving, compassionate church is that we can look beyond the needs of our church and we can look to the needs of others. See, the context of missions, yes. You know what we're going to be this week? A local church having a missions conference. But you know what's going to make all the difference? Is that we're a loving church. That not only see the needs of what's going on right here in our Jerusalem, but see the great need that's around the world. See, I see the need of of missions in the context where missions begins in the church. But then notice the calling of missionaries in verse number two. The Bible says, and as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Bible says that the Holy Ghost said, separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. The calling of missionaries. You're going to hear missionaries this week that are going to come and they're going to talk about how God began to work in their hearts. Uh, Brother Haley, that will be preaching one week from today from this very spot, he will tell you probably in the missions conference how he was a pastor, just like I am. And he was pastoring a church in North Carolina when God called him out of that church to go to Botswana. Brother Haley was willing to go. He answered God's call. God called me to go to the mission field of South Florida. I was in California. God says, I want you to go to those Floridians that think it's cold. 
to those poor people that root on the Miami Dolphins. God says they need Jesus. <laughs> the truth is, folks, we all need Jesus. I, I love to hear how God calls missionaries to go. My wife, I, I kind of get tickled because a lot of times when we meet, and, and some of you maybe we've done this to you, but if we get together from time to time, whether it's here at church or maybe out eating a bite, and a lot of times my wife, she likes it, and it's kind of a woman thing. It's kind of like a Hallmark Channel kind of moment, you know. My wife will say, so how did you meet? She likes to hear how people met. I like to hear how God works in people's lives, how God directs people to go. When you think of the calling of missionaries, notice that here in Acts chapter 13, it happened, first of all, in a sanctified time. The word sanctified means to be set apart. Again, if you notice, it says here in verse number two that, that they, were, they were ministering to the Lord. Missions conference this week. You know what we've done? Way back last year in 2018, we set these dates on our calendar. We set these dates apart. We sanctified these dates. We said, God, we're going to have this conference. We want you to do a work in our hearts. And we've, we've prayed and we're asking God to do something supernatural. This coming week is an important week. It's more important than any revival meeting. This is what the church was doing. And this is what our church needs to be doing and that is they were ministering to the Lord, and they were singing, and they were giving to the Lord, and this is what a, a church would do, one that is focused on the Lord and not focused on each other. They say, how do we know that? Because the Bible says that they were not only ministering to the Lord, but they were fasting, and that fasting is something, if you haven't discovered that, it's a biblical concept. Fasting is, is what Christians do when they want to bring their prayers to their fullest development. In other words, many times when people fast, they, what they'll do is they'll, they'll begin to pray to God, they'll begin to beseech God, but they want their prayers to come to them. So what they'll do maybe is, is maybe they'll do, do without physically, maybe food, or, or maybe, maybe they might deny themselves coffee. That's a fast. Some of you are starting to get the shakes already. Pastor, please don't impose a coffee fast on us. I know in, in churches I've been a part of over the years, it was just suggested, never, never mandated, but we even had it to where they would, they would say, my pastor would encourage us, challenge us to do a media fast. No television during the week of missions. Why do we do that? Because... What it does, you, you think about this, teenagers sitting over here, they've been, every year they go to camp. And, and these poor teenagers, you know what happens to them? Brother Kenny takes their phones away. Does he do that? For a whole week. I mean, these teenagers are going through withdrawals for a whole week without their phones. I mean, they... Brother Kenny's in the, in, in, where they're sleeping at night and he walks past their beds and, and he sees their fingers just going like this. But there's nothing in their hands. 
They're just going like that, thinking that they're texting. They're, they're just, they don't know how to do Why do we take phones away from teenagers when they go to camp? So they can hear from God. Because listen, folks, there's a lot of things that distract us. Why we have, why we having Chick-fil-A? Not because we love Chick-fil-A, and we do love Chick-fil-A. We're having it so that we're trying to take out all the distractions so that God can work and God can speak to us. And that's what they were doing. They were, they were fasting. They were focusing on the Lord. They were denying themselves of some pleasures. This church knew what real worship was. They knew what sacrifice to God really was. And the Bible actually identifies here that they were in a sense kind of what we would call believer priests. Now, that may be something that maybe you've never heard before. Say, well, listen, I grew up Catholic, and the Catholic Church has priests, but do you know that if you're saved this morning, according to the Word of God, that we are believer priests, that we can come boldly before the throne of God ourselves, and we don't need somebody else to offer up our prayers, that we can offer up our own prayers to the Lord. And when we come together as a church, you know what we do is we offer up things to God. One thing we do is we offer up our prayers. Another thing we can do is offer up our praises to God. Say, what kind of praises? We call that songs, hymns and spiritual songs. We come together and we can offer up our possessions to God. And and again, it may be in the form of maybe a financial supporting of those that God is calling to go, that we would be able to support them so that they could go. But watch this, God God may want some of us to offer up our persons. To say, I beseech you by the mercies of God to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Look what Peter wrote in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 5. He writes these words, ye also, as lively stones are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. You know what I just described? Your spiritual sacrifices. Because what we do when we worship God is through our giving, we are offering a spiritual sacrifice. Peter says we can offer those things just like the priest would go. And and listen, this week as we understand God is still calling missionaries that back in the book of Acts in the first century, that as they were called and as they are still today being called, that it is, it is taking place in a sanctified time, a time when God might touch the heart of somebody to give and God might touch the heart of somebody to go to the mission field. And it was happening in a sanctified time, but notice it also happened in a sacrificial time because the Bible says they ministered to the Lord and they fasted and the Holy Ghost said, look at these words, separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work. Here God is in the church in Antioch. And you know what God asked that church to give him? Two of their best. These weren't the average people that were just sitting around that maybe came one service a week. They were there all the time. They were teaching people about Jesus 
They were discipling people. They were living a life that was a testimony to God. You know what God wants from us? He wants our best. He doesn't want our leftovers. I love what Adoniram Judson said, the motto of every missionary, whether preacher, printer, or schoolmaster, ought to be this, devoted for life. Devoted for life. Charles Haddon Spurgeon said these words, if there be any one point in which the Christian church ought to keep its fervor at a white heat, it is in the area concerning missions. If there be anything about which we cannot tolerate lukewarmness, it is in the matter of sending the gospel to a dying world. Some of you remember in of course, he's been kicking up gold dust now for about five years, Pastor Mark Brown. Pastor Mark Brown preceded me as the pastor of this church. Never personally met him in this life. But everything I've seen and heard tells me that he was a great man of God. I think one of the things that really stood out to me about the kind of man that Mark Brown was was he pastored here just short of five years. And if I have my information correctly, in that five-year tenure, this church added 32 missionaries to those that they support. 32 in less than five years. Sounds to me like a man that understood that it was a sacrifice, but it was a worthy sacrifice to give to those that would go. And as I think about these missionaries, we too need to keep missions at the forefront of Bible Baptist Church. Why? Because God has commanded us to reach our Jerusalem, but also our Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost part of the earth. As a matter of fact, the Bible tells us to do it at the same time. Say, how in the world can we do that? We can't be here and be there. That's true. But while we are here, we can send or help to send those that would go to the regions beyond. The Bible says in Matthew 16, 24, Jesus said unto his disciples, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. When you think about real Christianity, real Christianity is evidenced by love, it's evidenced by compassion, it's evidenced by sacrifice, all those things and many others were happening in the church in Antioch. And if these missionaries that are going to come this week, if they are willing to go to the regions beyond, then we ought to be willing to help send them. But it may come at a sacrificial cost to some of us. We may have to sacrifice. See, the calling of missionaries happens in a sanctified time, it happens in a sacrificial time, but notice it comes in a speaking time. Look at verse number two again. The Bible says, the Holy Ghost said, the Holy Ghost said, separate me Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I have called them. The Holy Ghost called these men. They were not mama sent. Their daddies didn't say, hey, look, I want you to go. The Holy Spirit said, missions is not a sideline. Missions is the lifeline of the church. You see, missions is what we are all about. Why? Because it's the heart of God that people would hear the truth of that God so loved them that he gave. God was the 
first giver. He was the one that began this matter of missions. And God is calling us to follow his example and to be just like him that we would help others as the Holy Spirit of God calls them. Certainly, we want to get behind these missionaries. And we understand this morning that the calling of missionaries is something that is, as we think about this, is like the context. It is through the church that God calls missionaries. But then notice this morning, this is where we come in, the compassion of the church in verse number 3 of Acts 13. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. I love this thought. Jeremiah chapter 9 verse 1 writes these words, Oh, that my head were waters and mine eyes a fountain of tears, that I might weep day and night for the slain of the daughter of my people. Colossians 3.12, Put ye on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering. I read what Paul wrote, I read what Jeremiah and others wrote, and I think this, that we need to see people, people that have needs that are greater than our own, but their greatest need is that they need to know Jesus. They need to be saved. Instead of being like those that are, uh, you know, when you, we, we read and study, there are a lot of Christians today that I think are just like those two that saw the person by the roadside that, that was badly beaten and Two of them chose to just walk by on the other side. But isn't it interesting that there of all people was a Samaritan? And we oftentimes call that individual the what Samaritan? The good. Why was he good? Because he saw the need. He had compassion. So when we think about the compassion of the church, notice that compassion in the early church was shown with prayer. The Bible says again, when they had fasted and prayed. 2 Thessalonians 3, 1, Finally, brethren, pray for us. That's what those missionaries are going to say to us as the conference ends. Hey, folks, Bible Baptist Church, listen, we'd love to have your financial support, but anything, listen, if there's anything you do for us, please pray for us. That's what they're going to say. Paul says, pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course, that God would be glorified even as it is with you. See, they fasted and they prayed. Listen, think about this. Do you pray for the 62 missionaries that we currently support? I hope that you, you go down that hallway on a weekly basis and I hope you take the prayer page and you pray for them. When the seers come this week, you say, I don't even know who they are. That's not the question. Will you pray for them? Will you pray for the Catalans when they come? Will you pray for the birds as they prepare to go to the Dominican Republic? Will you pray that God would move in your heart for missions? The Bible says the church had compassion and that compassion came through their prayers. They prayed and notice they fasted. But then notice this statement here. The Bible says, and they laid their hands on them. Now this is a term that we need to understand. Because the laying on of hands, if I were to lay my hands on you, that doesn't mean that I can impart some kind of supernatural power to you. I can't do that. When the Bible mentions here they laid hands on them, 
folks, we understand that only God can empower a person. Only God can help people to do the work that he has called them to do. And that was the way it was here in the churches. And so when the Bible says they laid their hands on them, here's what, in a sense, the church in Antioch was saying. They were saying that we are with you. Even though we're not going to the Dominican Republic, even though we're not going to the Philippines, even though we're not going to Iceland, we're with you. They're saying to the church, the church was saying to them, we are standing behind you. We believe in what you are going to do. We know that God has called you to go where are you going. And, and, and listen, all of what we do and all of what we will do this week during this conference is not something that is of man. It is something that is found in the Bible. That's why we do it. We are a Bible-believing church. And what are we trying to do? We're trying to reach the world the Bible way. And so the way we do that is that we pray for these missionaries. And we can pray with compassion. But notice, secondly, compassion was shown with not only prayer, but with participation. Because the Bible says in verse 3, look at it. The Bible says, and when they had laid their hands on them, they then sent they away. They sent them away. Now look at Romans 10 uh, there in your, in your outline. The Bible says in verse 13, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? How shall they preach? Look at these words. Except they be what? Sent. As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. See, we, we will have with those, with us this week, those that have been called, but listen, although they've been called, they must be sent. And that's exactly what was happening here. We can send them, notice, with provisions. We will either get behind these missionaries or we're not going to get behind them. We will support them a couple ways. Prayerfully, we can support them. We can pray on a daily or weekly basis for them. We can know of the needs that they have as they go to the field. We can know about all these things. But another way we can, we can help to provide for them is financially. Boy, I was so excited this past week. I was sitting in my office and I was studying and preparing for the message. And I, my mind went back to a year ago to our missions conference. And we filled out, many of you that are here, that were here a year ago, filled out one of the faith promise cards. So every year we make new commitments. And I remember what the commitment was last year when it was made, and I was very excited about it. We've not only been able to support the missionaries that we had last year, a year ago, one year ago, but we've been able to add missionaries over this last year. And I said to Brother Kenny, I said, hey, can you do me a favor? Can you tell me how much our church has given? I'm not talking about how much was committed. How much was given to worldwide missions this last year? I don't know if it'll surprise you or not. But I'll tell you what, it sure excited this pastor to know that our church, not some mega church, this last year gave $88,000 to worldwide missions. That's a blessing. God blesses that kind of faith. 
I just sat in my office and I, I just thank God for this church. I thank God for you. Some of you sacrificially, free will giving. Some of you on fixed income. Some of you with an allowance, whatever it is. But I guarantee you, not only the God bees and other people, I guarantee you, you could testify of the grace of God and how God has blessed you because you've been faithful in giving not only your tithes, but giving above the tithe. God, God blesses our giving. And I love to help these missionaries. And if we're going to take on some new missionaries, those that maybe are already giving, maybe God would, would lay on your heart to maybe give a little bit more, to increase it. And maybe some of you that don't currently give to missions, hey, listen, get in on it right now and realize that God wants to do something very, very special. Uh, look at the church there in, in Philippians chapter number uh, four in your notes. The, the, Paul writes to them and says, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. Folks, in your giving, we don't give to get. But I'll tell you, as we give, God blesses. And, and one of the reasons this pastor uh, challenges you, not only because the Word of God instructs me to do that, but listen, I, as your pastor, want to see God's richest blessings on your life. And that's what Paul writes. He says that fruit may abound to your account. Paul says, but I have all and abound, and I am full having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent unto me, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. You know, when one of our missionaries, and I could pick any of them, but I was thinking about Brother Hill that's in Patagonia, Argentina. When Brother Hill is there doing the work of God that God's called him to do, and Brother Hill leads somebody to Christ because we support Brother Hill as he is there in Patagonia, listen, I'm going to tell you something. That's fruit that abounds to our account. We may not be there, but we are supporting him, and God will bless our lives in the best way. Listen, I can't think of a greater thing to invest your life and your resources in than the work of God. You know why? Because it reaps eternal dividends. God will bless you in eternity and in this life. Souls will be saved. When I think about that faith promise commitment card that you held up, that stewardship commitment, some of you maybe have never seen one of those before. That's okay. You got to start somewhere. I think about that commitment card Many of you will be challenged, and maybe are already challenged, to give that tithe, that 10%. Let me just encourage you, prove God. Go ahead and trust God. Be faithful in your giving, giving to missions, helping missionaries not only get to the field, but stay on the field. I get a lot of missionary letters, and, and, and some of the reports that I get from missionaries, and it's not them complaining, it's just them stating a simple fact that churches have dropped their support. Some churches no longer exist. There's 7.6 billion people on this earth that need to hear about Jesus. And we have the privilege and the opportunity to get God's message out to the world. And so we can send our missionaries with provisions, but we can also send them with partnership. We can join together with them 
in this great work. Look at 1 Corinthians 3, 9. We are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry. Ye are God's building. So my challenge this morning, look, with a heart filled with compassion, let's send these missionaries that are going to be coming this week. Let's send them out with prayer. and Let's send them out with love and with generosity. May these missionaries that come, may they not wonder, hey, listen, does Bible Baptist Church care? Do they love the world? Do they want to see people saved? The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 4, but God who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us. And if God loved us, then we ought to love others. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? We'll be done in just a moment, but if you would, just sit still for just one moment. As I said to you as the church this morning, we are so thankful as a people. How many of you, with your heads bowed and eyes closed, by an upraised hand, can testify this morning that you know Christ as your Savior and you're trusting in Christ and Christ alone. Can you raise your hand? Raise it up high that you're saved. There you go. You can put your hands down. Think about this. You just raised your hand. I'm saved. I know that I'm on my way to heaven. And my thought this morning is this, that as we have received the gospel and we have been saved, you know what the, the, the truth is? Now it's our turn. Now it's our turn. Somebody brought it to us. I don't know if you got saved in a Sunday school class. I don't know if your mom or dad led you to Christ, maybe a friend. For me, it was my wife. She opened up the Word of God and she began to share the truth with me. But someone brought the gospel to you. They were a missionary. And let me ask you this morning, would you be willing to help a missionary to take that same gospel that saved your wretched soul and take it to somebody that's never heard before. How many of you by an upraised hand would say, with God's help, I want to be a part of helping people to take the gospel around the world. Would you raise your hand this morning? Hands all around the auditorium. You can put your hands down. Let's stand this morning. Lord, thank you for speaking to hearts. I pray that you'd bless the invitation. God, as you have spoken, Lord, may we as a church, may we do business with you this morning. And if there is anyone this morning that needs to be saved, Lord, I pray that they would come and receive the greatest gift of all, and that is Jesus as their Savior. We ask all this in his name. Amen.